I am Ethan Huffman, joined with Elkin Beltry today. Elkin, good to see you, my man. I saw Richard in the flesh just this weekend. Happy to see you here on the FaceTime. Yeah, and I'm happy to be on here with you. Excited to be back on the Hero Ball Pod. Took a little absence, but I'm here. I'm ready to rock on this nice Monday evening. Lovely, yeah. And I, I want to break some news to the listening public. Richard Davison, when we played golf and I saw him, he broke 90 one of the days. Ooh, which right. I would have thought Richard had done that more often than he claims to have done it. But he said that was a surprise. And Richard doesn't play as much golf as I do, so it makes sense. He played a pretty good day, hit some bombs, tried out my stiff shaft driver and really let one rip. That was good. That was fun to watch. So yeah, I just wanted to give Richard the, sh- the proper shout out, even though he will not be joining us today. He is very busy with school things, as Elkin, you can relate previously. Um, this time of the year, it's all coming to a head. Yep, and I'm not jealous of him. Uh, as you as as you should not be. Before we get started on the Eastern Conference um, updates today, I want to run through the Western Conference ones that were not included in our last pod. And we're going to run through those right now. Elkin, when I get to the end, I want you, if you have anything that really piques your interest, you'll bring it up. All right. Langston Galloway and Damian Jones to the Phoenix Suns. Sarek resigns. Hassan Whiteside and Frank Kaminsky. Vlade Vlade Divac uh, memorial signings to the Kings. Frank Jackson and TJ Leaf to OKC. Markeith Morris resigns with the Lakers. Nicholas Batum, after his Stretch and wave of the from the Hornets has signed with the Clippers along with Kai Bowman, the fun little guard that made the Warriors watchable last season. Demarcus Cousins has signed with the Rockets, Kent Bazemore to the Warriors, and extensions for Donovan Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. Those are the Western Conference updates. Yeah, and I mean, a few things. Um, I am interested to see what's going to happen with one Demarcus Cousins to the Rockets. I'm I'll say this, like people, I mean, DeMarcus Cousins, obviously one of the players, some people, he's like, he complains a lot, but he's a guy I'm like, I want to see if he's ever going to recover from those injuries because in his prime, he was a force to be reckoned with. I mean, I kind of feel like the Rockets are just kind of just like, let's see what we have here at this point. The Markeith Morris signing with the Lakers, one thing that I found interesting, read an uh, article because he signed for, I believe it's a minimum salary that's the only way Lakers could retain him and then his brother who signed with the Clippers got like uh I think it was a 64 million dollar yep contract 64 million and then someone's like well Markeith has nothing to worry about because they have a joint bank account so that's why they're like he has nothing to worry about and um besides that it makes I'm happy for Darren Fox and Donovan Mitchell but I'm gonna tell you this Ethan part of me is like man with everything that goes on in Sacramento, sometimes I wish De'Aaron Fox was just able to go to greener pasture somewhere else. No, I don't disagree with you. I've often, I started probably a year ago saying I'm looking forward to De'Aaron Fox putting on the Miami Heat jersey. I was just going to ask you about that. How would you feel if he, if he go, if he, the Heat somehow got him? I mean, if it happens again, those um, De'Aaron Fox and Bam were teammates at UK. I don't know if they are, you know, happy teammates, but they were teammates at UK. I think their play styles would work really well together. Not to mention if the Heat can retain a couple of their current um, 
good players. Like I'm not talking about Jimmy Butler necessarily. This is like I'm thinking more when Jimmy Butler's contract has expired. Who should the Heat be looking on next if Jimmy Butler is no longer the player he is currently? I thought dear I've always thought De'Aaron Fox just makes sense in the Heat culture. He makes sense um, with the way he's progressed. Um, for what's worth, I think the Kings killed it with the draft getting Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's a perfect kind of pl- a player to play alongside De'Aaron Fox, um, and also Buddy Heald if you know when Fox sits. So I think they did the right thing with their pick selection. Got really lucky that he were he fell to them. Um, so you know, not wish nil on Sacramento because I I hope that they're making steps in the right direction. Um, I know you have Marvin Bagley stock. Richard has sold all of it and and bought bought low on whatever the opposite kind of thing is, but. You know, at the end of the day, I think I think Sacramento has done a lot of decent things, and Hal Burton was a really good thing. So hopefully that they are putting together a competent franchise. Yeah, you and I both. You and I both are just waiting for that to happen. Uh, but the Kings, though, at the same time, I'm like, Kassan Whiteside and Frank Kaminsky. Yeah, they don't – one of those make, make, make sense as your third big, perhaps, but – both of them, both of them do not, because uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rashard Holmes is still there. Marvin Bagley should be a center. They let they let Harry Giles go, which I mean, which is fine. Like he's a young player that hadn't hadn't stuck yet. Um, so you, you need another big. I don't know if you needed these two, but that's what they got. So here we are. Here we are. But that's all I got for Western Conference. I'm ready to hit this Eastern Conference. Sick. All right, well, we're gonna start with the my uh, not the Miami Heat. <laughs> I saw Giannis's name and I couldn't help but think Miami Heat. Oh, weird, weird how that happens. We're we're gonna start with the Milwaukee Bucks, and I'm gonna run through the ads and losses, and then we can kind of talk. So their ads are Drew Holiday, Tory Craig, Bobby Portis, DJ Augustine, Brent Forms, and Nick Stauskas, Jordan Nora, and Sam Merrill through the draft. Losses and part of this trade, the trade of Drew Holiday, um, Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Wes Matthews to the Lakers, Robin Lopez. Irsan Iosova, DJ Wilson, and Marvin Williams retired. Now, okay, when I look at these ads and losses, I do see more talent coming in, but it's, it's very one-player-centric, and that one player being Drew Holiday. How do you view this offseason um, of the Bucks as a whole? And we can include the Bogdan Bogdanovich um, blunder is maybe the word to use. Yeah, I think I – I'm going to be frank. I think this team – is going to do great again in the regular season. I think they're not going to have many issues just like they did the last two seasons. But Ethan, like there's nothing within these additions make me think, oh, they took a step like further to, to push them to the finals. I mean, only thing I can think of is like maybe I'll type, well, maybe, other teams in the East have changed, but there's some other teams around them who have gotten better who weren't as good. And, like, you see beyond Drew Holiday, you got to ask yourself, like, would a Tory Craig, Bobby Portis, T.J. Augustine, Forbes, Stauskas, who do you see getting major playoff minutes? I don't know if you mentioned Craig, but Craig is the one. And Bobby Portis, I, I would like to think he has something – in a winning situation, playing in Chicago, trying to get his money. Not, I would not classify that as a winning situation. His brief time in, in Washington, not classify that as a winning situation. And definitely last year in the Knicks, cannot classify that as a winning situation. So I would like to think that Bobby Portis has a little to give. Um, I might have been wrong. I, I said DJ Wilson was a loss. I pulled it up on Basketball Reference. Maybe there's a, a, something that just hasn't occurred yet. But he's still on the, the Basketball Reference roster. So I could be mistaken that he's he's not 
been out. And so maybe there's another guy that you, in the past, has contributed a little bit here and there. Maybe between those two, you can find a little bit more um, production. But at the end of the day, it's still Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Drew Holiday, and Giannis. And if you tell me that is on the court, plus a Tory Craig, or plus a Brent Forbes for shooting, or plus a um, Dante DiVincenzo for kind of like the hybrid in between, I'm not going to say that that can't work. If if that if the Heat had to play that team last year, I I'm still really confident in the Heat's abilities just because of their unique matchup. But when we're talking about other teams in the NBA, I I would you'd have a hard time selling me that they didn't improve against every other matchup because no longer is there the Eric Bledsoe type. If it, if it, there is an Eric Bledsoe type, it's now Torrey Craig who is playing a bit role, not your starting point guard, hopefully part of your closing lineup. I do think losing George Hill is actually their biggest loss of this offseason. Um, and then secondly, Wes Matthews, who I think they will have a hard time replacing the combination of defense and shooting. But that's got to be Dante now that Bog, the Bogdan sign trade could not be worked out. Yeah, and I was going to say, I mean, the losses I saw a lot of proven veteran leadership. Yeah, they got some veterans back uh, adding them, but I feel like he had some really good – like. George Hill and Wes Matthews are probably like two guys who are veterans that you can probably see just playing for a few years more on teams because teams are like, these are veterans we want to bring in, kind of stabilize our bench, stabilize our roster, don't even have to play that much, just kind of bring good chemistry to the team. And that's what kind of, I mean, and I know George Hill, former Pacer, I got a chance to watch him play plenty of times. That's what we got to see. But moving on to the Donovich thing, like, I'm sure, I think we all kind of been keeping up with it. And it's just been... It seems like a lot of this falls on the shoulder of the Bucks front office. It kind of seemed like there was no communication with Bogdanovich because I know he wanted, we know he wanted money. He was going to be a restricted free agent. He wanted money. And it seemed like there was no communication on telling him like, hey, let's agree on a price that you would like. It was kind of just like, hey, we're just going to trade you. And he's like, wait, 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 wait. But I'm going to be getting this amount when really I want this amount. And that's where I'm just like, that's a big blow especially now hearing reports that this is a guy that Giannis wanted and I'm sure you read those as well that Giannis wanted to play with this guy and I know one of the reports said he's a guy I can see myself going to war in the playoffs and who knows what's going to happen if things play out Ethan who knows maybe this could be a blessing in disguise but I don't know like Bogdanovich like he's not a, like an all-star but talent is there I mean how do you feel about the whole situation yeah, I think is a blunder, and I I don't have all the salary cap machinations in front of me. But all that being said, I I would imagine there's a way to get more creative and to give him more money, um, that they just did not fully grasp. Um, and well, this this is a little lesson. So tampering happens all the time. I'm not going to shame them for tampering if, if that's, you know, what was indeed happening, which to work out a sign and trade, I think requires a little bit of tampering, especially if the, the things aren't open yet. But what you have to be able to come to terms with is understand what he's expecting. And if he wanted $20 million and you didn't get anywhere near offering him $20 million, you can't blame him for saying, well, listen, um, no. Four million dollars a year for four or for three more or two more years or whatever it is, like no, I, I that's twelve million dollars at a minimum. Give me that, please. And so 
I you I can't hate on a guy. This this guy is a guy who waited over in Europe because he was very successful and had fun playing in Europe. He came over at, at an older age. This is his one chance to really kind of cash big, and it's really s- sad that he's a restricted free agent, not unrestricted, which already limits like how many teams would generally feel about adding or tying up cash space in someone that people can match on. Unfortunately for the Hawks, Sacramento is ready to move on, so they got him. But I. It's one of those things that they really, I don't know if they just rushed the process along or what happened, but this, this kind of communication is is a drop in the bucket of incompetence as a front office. And then to, to I think, kind of double down on that by giving th- a three-year contract to Pat Connaughton, which I I guess you had to retain a, a two-guard at that point because you couldn't, you didn't have that much ability to get a new one. But then you also give the the seven million dollars a year to DJ Augustine. Now I think I'm looking at it. The uh, last year is not fully is not fully guaranteed. So sure, it's a two year deal, but still seven million dollars is what he's worth nowadays. I just don't I don't buy that. I don't buy that at all. Yeah, it, it kind of seemed like they were scrambling to show Giannis like, yeah, we didn't get this guy, but we're gonna get some players who you can play with. And it's kind of just like Giannis is like. Who knows how Giannis feels right now? Like, Giannis might be the type of guy who's just like, I'm just going to play things out and 2021, then I'll make my decision. And if you ask me, I mean, I think DJ Augustine might be a better player than, let's say, one of the guys in the earlier updates, Langston Galloway. But Langston mm-hmm. Galloway is an off-ball catch-and-shoot kind of guard, whereas DJ Augustine yeah. is an off-the-dribble kind of guard in mm-hmm. terms of my opinion of how he gets his buckets. Mm-hmm. With that in mind, you got Giannis, the MVP of the league, guy with the ball in his hands a lot. Yep. I would focus more on Langston, who's a better defensive guard. Not by a lot, but better. And a catch-and-shoot threat versus an off-the-dribble guy. DJ is going to be fine for the regular season. Yeah. I think they missed the boat a little bit. I still think they're the favorites in the East, because this guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo plays there. I mean, I think the Heat might have matchup problems for them, but you, you can't guarantee the Heat play them. Yep. And so, I would still le- label them as the gen- generic favorite until we you know, see some more games. But I think they, they bungled enough this offseason to to give Giannis some doubt about his long-term future with a team that seems like they just got a little uh, out ahead of their skis. Yeah. But that's all I got for the Bucks. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to talk about the Raptors onto our next team. Move on to the Raptors. Ads, now these are retentions, but Fred Van Vliet and Chris Boucher are back. Aaron Baines came in. DeAndre Bembry and Alex Lynn. Losses Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. Apologies to anyone else who might have also fallen off this roster that I didn't care about because the Raptors played basically eight guys last year. Terrence Davis being one of them. He's got some legal problems that have popped up. Um, I mean, Matt Thomas, if you want to get deep cut, the white guy who shoots threes for them, that's fun. Regardless, I, I, this is who I put down. I'm kind of pulling up their roster right now to kind of take a peek at it. More or less, they're going to be running it back with some new bigs. Thoughts about the Raptors offseason? Um, I think they're going to miss Serge Ibaka more than Marcus Hall. Um, I think Serge Ibaka, kind of their five, was very solid. I mean, for them, definitely going to bring back Kurt Van Vliet, but there's nothing in this team right now, Ethan, that kind of makes me think that they're going to be a championship team. I don't know if that makes sense to you as well. I kind of see it like they're going to be a playoff team. I know that they're going to be a playoff team for sure. Their coaching staff is great. 
they got players who who can win. They'll probably they'll definitely pull off a lot of games, but I don't see him making much much of a splash in the playoff. I mean, Aaron Baines. Yeah, they got him. Alex Lynn. You're pretty much replacing Gasol and Ibaka with those two guys. And I'm trying to think, are they better off? And I don't think they're better off with Baines and Lynn compared to Ibaka and Gasol, which is like, I don't know if that's obvious, but yeah, for me, no, it, it, is, it is obvious. Even if those two guys are like closer to the wash spectrum this year compared to their last year, it doesn't matter because Alex Lynn hasn't been much of an NBA player most of his career. I think his most significant moment is like hitting a big three playing for the Phoenix Suns, which some people might not know he played for against Miami Heat and then later getting in a brawl with uh, with Hassan Whiteside. And it wasn't really a brawl. It was more of a tackling, if I remember correctly. So, again, not a big deal. Um, Aaron Baines, I think that's a great sign. He might be better than Ibaka, might be better than Gasol at any given point in time in the regular season, maybe in the playoffs, because he has a willingness to shoot. He gets in the way defensively historically gets hurt a lot and just, you know, misses games here and there because he puts his body on the line quite a bit or we'll put Stephen Curry's body on the line as well. That can also happen. Um, anyway, um, the thing about this team that's really exciting is there's a guy named Kyle Lowry entering his last year of his contract and they drafted his theoretical replacement in Malachi Flynn. So these are all things that I look for as like, this is competent ownership. Um, they're ready for their next phase. If Kyle Lowry is to move on. If let's say they if they whiff on Giannis, they know they're in the cart. They're in the they're in the the running for him, and they can't retain they can't retain Kyle Lowry because he's like, well, I don't see the winner here. I have two more years left that are I am you know championship level starting point guard, um, especially if I'm paired with a really good player like a Kyle like a Kawhi Leonard or even a different version of Pascal Siakam. If they're not willing to keep him, they got the replacement in foot. Not to mention the resign of Fred VanVleet. I do think they got the two pieces that are most important which is OG Ananobi. He's extension eligible. I don't think he'll get one uh, because they're, they're um, looking to preserve cap space. But they have Pascal Siakam. And for as much as he's improved, Elkin, I do wonder, do we have a set ceiling on this kid yet? Or are we still kind of eyeballing him and his development? Because unfortunately, he's losing some of the, the talent around him that I think enables a lot of his success. And I'm not saying that it'll necessarily make him worse. I still think he's, you know, in that max level of player. But he's losing bigs that enable him to have a spread floor. And playing with an Alex Lynn, I don't care what he does from the corner every once in a while. He's not Serge Ibaka or Marcus Gasol in terms of floor spreader threats. Yeah, I kind of get the feeling with Pascal. I mean, we saw that jump that he did from last season to this season, but I kind of think we're reaching his ceiling. Like, you saw how, how he kind of started this season, the nineteen twenty season. He, like, people were like, oh, this guy's an MVP candidate, all this stuff. And then it kind of just, like, I mean, he also our starter. Great for him. But, I mean, fans vote, whatever. But he did have a great season. But you kind of saw he kind of just, like, went back to the mean or his average would mean – if he's like he scored 23 points, seven rebounds, three and a half assists, giving you one steal. I mean, he's getting better as a three-point shooter. But I'll tell you this, Ethan: if he's like my second or third player on a championship team, I'm definitely good with it. And as you saw it with what happened when they won the championship, because for me, when they won that championship, he was behind Kawhi Leonard and Kyle Lowry. Those were their two guys. And that's where I kind of view it as. I mean, you kind of feel like that they're one 
that they need someone else to come in. Like I kind of, I kind of feel like they're dealing with Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, but they need someone else, like Giannis, if they were to get him, to come in. Go ahead. So I'm looking at this. Okay, you bring up, you make a masterful point. Is that he was championship year? He was probably the third best player after Kyle Lowry and Kawhi Leonard. Last year, it's it's pretty fungible whether he should be the best player or it's Kyle Lowry. I would lean Kyle Lowry was. He maybe should be the guy trying to be. But I think the one thing I want to point out is that his defense definitely slipped a little bit this year, having the more offensive responsibilities. It's a very hard thing to retain. Um, all, all all defensive team type of talent um, and production while still being or by being the primary initiator on offense. But this is what I want to bring up. Last year, or two years ago, when they won the championship, he was scoring 19 points per game, 7 rebounds, two, uh, 2.8 assists, 1.4 turnovers, so less there. Um, and he shot a bad percentage from three in the playoffs. He shot under 30% from three in the playoffs. That's surprising, but it's accurate. Shot 75% from the free throw line. Quality stuff there. And this is all playing alongside Kawhi Leonard. Last year, points per game went down. Like, smaller sample size because they didn't make it as far. Points per game went down. Rebounding the same. Assists went up by one, but his turnovers went up by a half a turnover. His, his field goal percentage was under 40. His three-point percentage was under 20. Like, the guy just had a tough go of it against probably specifically the Boston Celtics, who have a lot of wings, who have a lot of guys who can help. Yeah, and and, he, and and for me, kind of watching those games, I don't know if you felt the same way, kind of watching those games, they – there were many – there were long stretches of time when Pascal Siakam was on the floor, and it seemed like – you didn't even hear his name or see him do much out there. Like, and that's what, I mean, I, I kind of felt like it was kind of Kyle Lowry, Van, Van Fleet, and OG, who, I mean, obviously, Pascal did his thing, but I feel like those guys, you were seeing more. And it makes me wonder, like, he's going to have an even bigger light on him to do more. Like, I, bet, I know for me, I imagine Toronto's waiting for him to take an, another step as well. And he could. He could even take another step, but... Seeing how he plays his game, Ethan, like there's not much in me that thinks that he's gonna be on the level of like a Kawhi Leonard, of like an Anthony Davis, and obviously we're talking about some of the best players. Like he's in that a tier or two below. Like I, I don't know where do you see him? No, that's that that's where I'm coming to the solution, and that's why I have my questions about the Raptors. Like I, I obviously I had the Raptors win the finals last year because I thought their defense would prevail and I thought the, the ecosystem was good enough. And leave it to us to talk about the Raptors championship chances and not actually mention any of their additions. We just went straight into Pascal Siakam. But that's the most interesting thing is can Pascal Siakam become the super duper star, not just a, a guy getting paid like one. And, you know, it's going to come off. It's, it's off the dribble game. He's got to be able to shoot off the dribble. He's got to be able to create off the dribble. He's got to be able to do all those things efficiently and i think he can i think he will get more efficient but with this raptors team losing some talent i do think this team takes a step back this year um regardless as if they if they did they i think they did about as well as they could expect their offseason to go while still losing two really important players because i just don't think with the weird covid situation where they're not going to be playing in toronto to start the year so like the people's living situation is much less ideal than it would have been prior I, I think it's a hard sell to some vets to say, hey, yeah, come back, you know, for less money or the same money for one year while we wait to get Giannis. I think that would have been a tough sell. So given the really weird circumstances of Toronto, I think they did okay. But 
it's definitely a, a going to be a weird one, and it's, it all hinges on Pascal Siakam and or OG Ananobi taking the steps. Yeah, definitely. Well, let's go on to our third place team from last year, the Boston Celtics. What do we got? We got some additions of one Tristan Thompson, Jeff Teague, and of course the extended Tatum Smart. I mean, that's what you want to do. The losses, Gordon Hayward, Brad Wanamaker, Enos Cantor, and help me out with the last name. I always Vincent get it wrong. Vincent Poirier. There we go. Vincent Poirier. Now, now with this team, the Celtics, now this is a team I, I did honestly expect to them. I, I did expect them to have a good chance of beating the Heat and getting to the finals. I'll admit that. Because I saw the talent that they had and the wings that they have. I was like, oh, they could be a good a good matchup for the Heat. But then, of course, the Heat did what they needed to do. Now, in these additions, Tristan Thompson, to me, it kind of felt like it was a a backup plan they had in the wings in case they couldn't get a Miles Turner, which, well documented, they were trying to get Miles Turner, sign and trade with Gordon Hayward. I believe some of the package deals I heard were pretty much it was the Pacers were trying to just put Miles Turner and McDermott, but then the Celtics were like, no, you need to either include TJ Warren or Victor Oladipo in this as well. And the Pacers are like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm obviously happy the Pacers didn't do that because I see the contract that Gordon Hayward got, and I imagine he would want a similar contract from the Pacers. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that happened. I mean, and then they got Jeff Teague pretty much, I feel like just taking Brad Wanamaker's minutes. That's what he's going to be doing. And how, and how do you feel about this, this offseason for them? For me, it kind of feels like they're running it back with a similar team. Yeah. No, so getting rid, losing Hayward for basically nothing other than the trade exception, because I think they have worked that out with Charles Delis. Yeah, just they trade did. Him, trade him there. So they got a trade exception. I do want to mention Aaron Neesmith got there in the draft. I forgot to oh, mention yeah. him and Peyton Pritchard. Um, I don't at, at different points of making this doc, I put in the rookies and sometimes I didn't. But they did add a two a couple sweet shooting rookies. Peyton Pritchard probably not going to get very many minutes. Shouldn't get any minutes if uh, Jeff Teague's playing well. But point point being, um. Jalen Brown and Jason Tam are who make this team. They are the two best players on this team, and they will – well, I guess Kimba's on that list as well. But those are the guys who drive drive the boat, so to speak. I don't think they're better. I think their center position's better. So, again, specifically the Heat and g- trying to guard Bam Adebayo, you now have someone who at least can be as physical with him, even though he, Tristan Thompson probably is not the guy from 2016 when the Cavs won the championship. But that that is a step in the correct direction. Because Taco Fall was going to get ran around. Um, I know he didn't play, but I'm just p- looking at Biggs. Robert Williams, not in tune with the dribble handoff game. Daniel Tice, we thought someone said he was the equal of Bam. Wrong. Oh, my goodness. Wrong. Um, so, you know, I and Grant Williams and um, and um, Simeon Ojale, just nice little guys. They can't jump with him. And Bam is really good, guys. So I, I think they kind of blundered this offseason. They really should have figured out the Miles Turner. What that tells me is they didn't like Miles Turner that much, and Danny Ainge just doing Danny Ainge stuff and always saying he's got to move in the in the works. He offered three first round picks for Drew Holiday. They were these three first round picks: twenty six, thirty, and fourteen in a draft that apparently no one liked. So congratulations, not a big and deal. Then, and then it kind of feels like I, I'm sure you heard this that they were putting trying to put Kemba on the table because they were involved in some possible hard in trade talks and all that. And at this point, 
I was just like, I was just like, you guys are, it kind of seemed like they kept puffing smoke, but there was nothing that came out of it. And for me, it looked like they came out like, I, they probably do feel salty for only getting a trade exception for Gordon Haywood because they're like, we're going to get something. And I bet you they thought they were going to like get Indiana to blink first and be like, fine, we'll add this other player into it. You can go ahead. And and if it's Miles Turner and Doug McDermott for Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward's getting, let's say, $25 million, for, which is what I predicted, a $100 million contract. I think that's a win for the Pacers. I really do. And especially, and I, in, in the in the mock draft, I had the Pacers then getting a pick back with that ex- exchange because they are giving you something that you can lose this player for nothing if you do nothing. Like, you can, he can sign elsewhere. The Hawks or Charlotte clearly made that po- probable. Um, and, but you are then saying, hey, here's Miles Turner for two years, a starting center that gives Bam some problems. We saw the Pacers didn't win a game, but Miles Turner was not, just getting blown by by Bam, he com- creates some problems for the Heat. They just must not like Miles Turner, is what it comes down to. They think Tristan Thompson at that value, nine million dollars for two years, or for the player option. I can't remember if it was a team or player, but they must think that is better than Miles Turner, and I think they're wrong. And this is another example for me why Danny Ainge is not that good of a GM. And I don't care who says Ethan, you're crazy. You know, he he's drafted well with while having a lot of good picks. That he accumulated because the the Nets were incompetent, and that's where I that's where I kind of get to that Danny Ainge has been living off this twenty was it twenty thirteen Nets trade. I feel like that's been like the source of like oh he's a hustler. He did this one of the best GMs, but like you kind of see it after that. I mean, you saw the draft with Jalen Brown. I mean that the twenty sixteen draft it was kind of just like yeah there wasn't really much there in the twenty sixteen draft. And then 2017, with they had the first pick, and then they're like, "Oh, we're gonna trade down because we like this guy." Good and finesse. they're like, "We're yeah." And now the good finesse, and they got their guy in on Philadelphia. We know that story. And you know they 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 took advantage of another desperate team in the Cavs and got Kyrie Irving, when the Cavs should have found a better suitor. I mean, like I, broken Isaiah Thomas was not the answer. Everyone knew that when the trade happened. I thought, but. At the end of the day, Elgin, like, we're, we're pointing out some good moves he's made. We're pointing out some bad moves he's made. Or more or less moves he hasn't chosen to pursue. And that's where I think the Celtics lose me. That's where I don't care about this team. We've, I've spent way too much time talking about them already. This team's going to be a really good team in the East. Probably a top – they're going to be a top four seed again unless terrible injuries occur. Um, knock on wood, here it is. And I'm done with them unless you got anything else. No, let's go on to number four team. All right. This team, Elkin, you are very familiar with them. The Indiana Pacers, they add a coach, Nate Bjorken. Um, They retain Justin Holiday. Good signing there. They get a hold of Jalen LeCue and some moves. Signed Keelan Martin, former Butler player. And Cassius Stanley in the draft. Uh, Dunk machine out of Duke. Uh, Losses, TJ Leaf. Any other losses I'm missing there, buddy? No, you're pretty much just have that. Just TJ Leaf. Currently... Right now, the Pacers have just decided we're just going to run back the same. We're just, they're pretty much running back the same team. We thought the Celtics were pretty much the same team. The Pacers are literally the same team. I mean, obviously, no TJ Leaf, but they have everyone else at this point where they're just like, this was our, our main rotation and we're going to stick with it. 
I'm, I was interested in that Celtics trade. I had mixed feelings at first because I'm I'm a guy, I root for Miles Turner. I, I see that potential. I mean, he's a big, he can play defense. We've seen him, how he's led the lead in blocks. He can shoot the three-pointer. But with these moves, I mean, you see Justin Holiday, great guy to bring back. But it kind of seemed like Jalen, Keelan Martin, Cassius Stanley are guys that you're probably going to see more in the G League than actually playing solid minutes for the Pacers. Even though I'll tell you this, besides Cassius Stanley, Jalen, he's also a leaper as well. So if they can strike gold and get these guys somehow get some minutes, that'd be great. But I honestly see this team. They, I know they got fourth last year. For some reason, I have a weird feeling, Ethan, that this team's going to be around more of a six seed this upcoming year. Like that's how that's how I feel like. Well, you definitely could see a team like the Nets making great improvements. The Heat were, you know, they I would say strategically lost to get the fifth seed, so they would get a higher draft pick because it was a big difference for the Heat. Um, the Sixers, obviously, Daryl Morey doing good things for them. Probably going to play better. But, like, think about the Pacers. They're, they're going to be a consistent team. And I like Aaron Holiday's pr- um, production. I think he's steadily improving. Malcolm Brogdon, obviously, steady hand there. Um, unfortunately, Jeremy Lamb going to be recovering from his Achilles, so not really in the mix there. And if if Sabonis is back from the plant, the plantar fasciitis, that, that's a big deal. So, like, the Heat swept the Pacers last year. But I don't think that was indicative of how competitive that series could be. Um, especially with Miles Turner protecting the rim. I think Sabonis in some ways limits the Pacers' ability to defend the Heat because all of a sudden the Heat, like, I know Sabonis can get a lot of buckets in the post. I don't know how effective he is against a Jay Crowder just because he's going to probably flop, get him, like get some cheap fouls on him, frustrate him. The Heat play passing lanes really well. Like, I don't think he makes the, the hunch to like push it to six. But I think they get a game, and they, all the games are still really competitive through five. And if you have any improvements, you know, Victor Oladipo, another year, hopefully getting his legs back under him if, if he is part of this team and is not looking to get traded, which conflicting reports there, obviously. I, I would say he leaning towards wanting out. We'll see how that all goes. I will say this about Victor. I mean, what from what reports I've read from local media is – that he has not looked the same that he did when he first came on to the Pacers. And and I, I don't know how much Pacers you watched when he first signed on, how explosive he was, how dynamic he was on both ends, but that's been the word that the Pacers have. And, of course, he's not wanting to sign, re-sign right now with the Pacers. I think he wants to see – obviously, he wouldn't mind coming back to the Pacers. The Pacers offered him the most money, but I think he does want to see what's out there. And Ethan, I honestly would not be surprised before the season ends if Victor does get traded. Like, I, he's another guy that I really love on the Pacers. Like, I, I know that trade got scrutinized, like, when they traded Paul George for Oladipo and Sabonis. But I'm like, hey, he came in, he did what he needed to do. But I wouldn't be surprised because I feel like the Pacers kind of get a feeling that he's going to ask for a lot of money and they're not going to put up that money. It's it's all small sample size with these numbers because he only played 19 games and a Chunk of them were in the bubble, eight of them at a minimum, not counting the playoffs. Second lowest points per game of his career since his rookie season. Lowest steals per game of of his career. Again, he also is playing the lowest minutes of his career. So keep all that in mind. Maybe let's you know what let's let's be let's be a good podcast. Let's go to hundred per hundred possessions. Okay, he's a little bit more on par here in points per hundred possessions, but his offensive rating is the lowest it had been since um 
entering the league with the Orlando Magic. His steals, still bad. Still the lowest of his career. Blocks, lowest of his career. Tied with the lowest of his career. Field goal percentage, lowest of his career. Lowest of his career. Low, like, th- that's crazy. When, when I, mean, I guess he is taking more threes, and he also had the lowest three-point percentage of his career. Let's. I'm going to go down to the advanced stats. True shooting. Where are we at here? True shooting. Let's see. Lowest true shooting of his career. Now, again, you can say that's... Ethan, that's very much affected by his three-point percentage. I agree. He still shot a good free throw percentage. So, like, that buoys it out a little bit. But my point is, the guy has not been the same. Type of athlete, type of shooter. Really hard to know what you're going to get from him. I don't know what you're going to get from him in a trade, though, Elkin. Because I don't know I don't know who's desperate enough to give up a lot for a victor at this stage. Yeah, and that's where, like, someone said... Um look at the Miami Heat, but I'm like, there's no way the Miami Heat are going to put anyone that the Pacers value. Cause I think I heard someone even, I don't want to say dumb enough, but not rational enough to say like, oh yeah, you can do Victor for Tyler Hewitt. I'm like, there's no way the Heat would do that trade. Like the Pacers would do that trade, but I'm like, there's no way the Heat would trade Tyler Hero, especially how he performed this past year and in the playoffs. Some have talked about the Knicks. Someone talked about maybe the Pacers focusing more on trying to get draft picks instead of getting a valuable player back. I I do say this. Because of his injuries and how long he's been out, I kind of get the feeling that he's partially been pushed out of the rotation as far as how much playing time he's used to and how much share of the ball he's getting. I mean, because you kind of saw with T.J. Warren's explosion and Brogdon's development and Sabonis taking another step, you kind of feel like those are the three main guys on the Pacers right now. Yeah, and it's fair. T.J. Warren is a bucket, undoubtedly. And and Sabonis is a nice hub. Turner can shoot. It would be nice if they had someone other than Brogdon to initiate some pick-and-roll offense. Because Brogdon, I don't think, is quite good enough at it. He's very efficient. He's very quality. But, like, for for lack of a better term, he lacks the goods like for to feel like you can do that every possession and it's the right thing to do. And that's why Victor is actually, if you get Victor the old back, that's where Victor excelled, give him a high pick and roll, and then just letting him like make the play, like either pull up jumper, dishing it to a cutter, three point shooter, or driving it all the way in. But the worry is that he doesn't have that ability anymore. That speed burst. That that's 100 percent what it is, and I don't know what team um, offers you the right type of picks or the player that can blossom. I don't know who that is, but I hope you find it for what it's worth. I mean, like I obviously want the Heat to succeed. Like, I want good basketball, and sadly, Victor Oladipo is not a part of good basketball right now because his injury seems to have limited all of his pop. Yeah, like, like if we're talking about, like, Victor from two years ago, I'm sure the Heat will figure, like, they wouldn't mind having him there. Like, if we're oh, talking if, about... If, if Victor was still... That's the whole thing, though. If Victor was still looking like Victor, he would have gotten an extension already, right? Like, the Pacers yep, would have figured it out. They would have gave him I the could, money. Mm-hmm. But I, but I think it's, I think, yeah, I think the Pacers are unsure and they're, I think for them right now, their sample size has just been too small because he came back from the, when he came back from the injury, I mean, we're talking about coming back beginning of this season and then you get the bubble and then the bubble, he wasn't planning on playing, by the way. I don't know if you remember that report. He said he wasn't going to play and it kind of felt like he was forced into playing kind of just like that whole thing. But I, I think it's a, 
I think it's a really tough situation with him because he he was like you know the hometown hero. You know, I know he went to high school in Washington, um, D.C. at Damatha, but he's an IU guy. He's an IU guy, and he came back and was killing it. And then the injury got him. And it's really sad because this team would have such a fun and dynamic roster with him in the fold. We'll see, though. Maybe maybe he eases his way back in, maybe not. But I think to wrap up with the Pacers, like I said, the additions, nothing like too big. That's why I feel like it's going to be a drop in where they're at in the Eastern Conference. And not to mention, like, the, the Nets and Sixers should be both better. The Heat should be better, maybe not in the regular season, but I think I think they I think they've improved, for what it's worth. Um, let's get to them now. Actually, the Miami Heat have added Precious Achua through the draft, Avery Bradley, Mo Harkless, re-signed Dragic, Myers Leonard, and Udonis Haslam. They lost Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. So to keep in mind, another acquisition they made last year at the trade deadline was Andre Godala. That worked out pretty well. I would say he's not a perfect fit for this team, but he's he worked out well enough. Got a team option with his extension that he took. I was going to ask you, is he's, he's still on the roster, right? He is still on the roster. Yeah, so every, like the only losses are Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. that anyone else would know. I mean, I guess there's probably some... Maybe maybe Ryan An- no, Ryan Anderson's still on the books because we waved and stretched him, so he's still around. Don't forget about him. And it kind of feels like with with the Jay Crowder and Derek Jones Jr. losses. I mean, I'm I love Derek Jones Jr. Highlight reel, but it felt like as kind of things progress into the bubble, he was getting less and less playing time. And Jay Crowder, I mean, I know Jay Crowder was a starter, and you saw Jay Crowder do his thing. I I mean, for me, I know I think they're gonna miss Jay Crowder a little bit. I, I don't know if you feel the same way about that. Well, I definitely don't think Jay Crowder can be just schlubbed off as like, oh, that's that's he's nothing to me. Move along. But I will point out that Jay Crowder is a 34 percent career three point shooter. And Mo Harkless is a 32 and a half with, let's see, some of the years in Orlando being just miserable for. It. I mean, he had one year in Orlando that he shot really well. But like the thing is, he's been a really bad shooter or a really good shooter, really bad shooter, a really good shooter. And I would lean to think that the Heat would endear him to being a better shooter, just based on the type of offensive run, the kind of looks he'll get. And I think that's a pretty neutral move. The one difference is Jay Crowder can win you a game because when he's hot, he seems like he's a flamethrower. When he's cold, he's also very cold. But Mo Harkless, if he's cold, he won't shoot that much. So like, there's, I think there's a little bit of give and take. Like Jay Crowder can shoot you in or out. Mo Harkless is probably not going to do either, but he's going to be a really good defender. I like his length. He's taller than uh, Jay Crowder. And watching him play in um, Portland for a few years, I really like Mo Harkless. I think he's kind of one of those underrated guys because of the role he was forced to play alongside Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. He, he probably doesn't get the quite as much respect because he was never asked to do anything fancy. But I think playing alongside Kelly Olenek in a second unit or Myers Leonard in a second unit, I think he's going to be an interesting role man for some of our guards while Myers and Kelly stretch something that he didn't have the ability to do for a Portland team who was barely bringing along Zach Collins as a stretch center. So I think there's an interesting role there for Mo Harkless to be a primary screener when Kelly Olenek is not doing Kelly Olenek Myers Leonard aren't doing dribble handoffs. So I like I like the fit. He's not going to be just a, a spread guy, but I like the fit otherwise. But I, I think at the end of the day, you you don't want Jay Crowder playing that many minutes. You don't want Mo Harkless playing that many minutes. And between uh, Derrick Jones Jr. and Jay Crowder leaving, they both left for three-year contracts. That can't be overstated. The Heat were not willing to do multiple years. 
all of the contracts they signed this offseason, one-year deals. And the Heat are also looking forward to, just like the Raptors, this upcoming offseason, 2021. And we know, well documented to be in the Giannis sweep, sweepstakes. I'll say this, though. Avery Bradley, I did think Avery Bradley was kind of a little bit washed up. I mean, after he left Boston, you kind of see him go, I mean, Detroit, the Clippers, Memphis, then to the Lakers. And you kind of see his production is going up and down at this point but from what i saw from him on the lakers before covid hit bubble came i would say i feel more confident in this pickup for the heat than i would have before he's an average shooter like he's 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 a career average of 36 percent. yeah he's had really good years you know varying volumes but really good years and i think he's a good point of attack defense and what the heat kind of needed was a guy who could like run with a guard Kimba Walker specifically. That's kind of what he's for. And I don't I don't think he's a crunch time player. I think at the end of the day, you, you put out Jimmy, bam, hopefully maybe pressure Chua if, he, if his shot can come around. His shot's not good based on the draft film. But if his shot works, he's going to be a good defender in my opinion. And then it's, it's Duncan for shooting and, and Tyler Hero for shooting. And you hope those two guys can hustle, hustle, hustle and run people off the line and hope we can then keep them contained once they come inside the three-point line but at the end of the day I, just, I don't and I think Drogic closes some games too so I don't think Avery Bradley is going to be out there with that defensive mindset other than for situational stuff and so I think for a regular season team that needs production consistently that can just you know slow down a guy who gets hot I think that's what Avery Bradley's for and I think it's a totally fine signing um, I think it the only problem I say is I would like Kendrick Dunn to keep playing so he builds up some value so we can trade it you guys should have traded him when he was hot, but obviously with rookies, you got to wait a little bit. Now, but ev- Aside from attacking Anthony Davis straight up, he didn't play horrible in the finals, and the man had COVID. Although, like, I'll say, like, as simple as this, like, his domestic violence in the past, like, it's just one of those things that like, I don't care if it's on my team, and so I, I'm not going to, like, hold water for this guy as being a productive player when, when it comes to those things. Like, I, again, like, I, I'm not here to judge people and, like, figure out what all their life situations were and how things go down. But when you got those things in the past, I'm not just going to carry water for you. So, at the end of the day, like, I'm not I'm not sweating him not playing. I'm not sweating him not being on this team for the future. Especially because I don't think he's part of a championship roster unless he's like the 13th man. Yeah, and that's – I get what you're saying. And then, of course, I am interested in nobody's shooting form aside. I am interested to see how Precious Achua kind of fits in with everything. I, I can't see him. If he gets that shooting form, gets some type of shooting – playing some minutes with Bam because I feel like right now they probably wouldn't put him with Bam because they kind of see that there's no not going to be enough spreading on the floor but I can kind of see it like I, th- I think it was you who might have said this Bam just takes him under his wing for a little bit and kind of teaches him a few things because I think Prejudice is short is he like 6'9 6'10 yeah, he's if you look at the measurables him and Bam are basically the same that, that's what I was going to say based on what physical I saw look but Bam is a better athlete in my opinion I think everyone's opinion, because Bam might be one of the best athletes in the entire NBA for all the different things he can do. But Preston Chua is going to be really a really good athlete thing. And if he can shoot, he, he shows a propensity to want to have the ball in his hands. I'm not saying sure that's a good idea. But all the things I said from O'Harkless, that's what Preston Chua needs to be put in that kind of role. Playing alongside Kelly Linick, playing alongside Miles, Myers Leonard. But if there's ever some Bam without Jimmy lineups, you I think you can slide him into that role and say, hey, here have a few ball opportunities when Jimmy's off. Yeah, because, I mean, with, with Precious Achua, one of the things I see him as, 
either being a decent roller, setting some picks, rolling, or just being a guy who the Heat are like at first, like, hey, as we develop your jump shot, when you go in, just wreak havoc on the board. We know you're athletic enough. You got a body where you can put a body on someone and just do that. Just give us a lot of energy and put your body into someone. And I can see him being a guy that just goes in there, gives the Heat like eight, eight points, eight rebounds a game. Just like, we're going to give you this. Like, that, that's what I pictured. And then as he, he gets along, the Heat see him as like a backup power forward center and you kind of keep building him up and developing him specifically in the finals when bam was not out there we had zero interior defensive presence the heat were one of the worst teams by percentage defending at the rim regardless because of how often bam gets switched out and is guarding someone three-point line while someone attacks um but the fact of the matter is when bam wasn't out there we had zero chance of stopping people from getting to the rim and presachua now fills that void if for nothing else yeah, because it kind of felt like when Bam was out, you kind of, yeah, hey, let's put in Kelly Olynyk, Myers Leonard. And then you kind of saw in the finals where Anthony Davis was like, wait, are you serious with this? Yeah, there, there's nothing you can do. My, LeBron James, nothing you can do. You you have no chance of physical of a physical present coming. You you feared no one. There's no Dwayne Wade even as like a the, the weird guard that's a good rim protector, right? They had nothing of that nature. And so Precious is, is an addition in that department. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that, but you ready to move on to 76ers? On to the 76ers. Daryl Morey and Glenn Rivers, no longer Doc Rivers, as he says he wants to be called, so we'll roll with that for today. Um, they bring in Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson, Seth Curry, Dwight Howard, Tony Bradley, Justin Anderson, Ryan Burkov, Derek Walton Jr., Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah Joe, and Paul Reed in the draft. Losses, Al Horford, Josh Richardson, Zaire Smith, Norvell Pell, and Alec Burks. A lot, of, a lot going on. So essentially, besides getting, we can't call Daryl Moore the GM. He's that's Elton Brand still. Was the president of basketball operations? Is that where they put him as? And then bringing in Glenn River. I would say these guys pretty much they looked at the roster and said, "Hey, we got Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. We need to spread the floor, spread the floor, spread the floor." So what's the best way to do that? Shooting, shooting, shooting. And from what I see in their additions, I mean, Danny Green had some very off off games in the playoffs normally is but you bring in Seth Curry the higher percentage shooting Curry I know people kind of joke around that but he is a legit shooter and you bring in a basketball player yeah and you bring in I'm interested to see Dwight Howard how things are kind of developed with him and I I personally like Tyrese Maxey I do like that draft for them I like them picking him up I do like that and I kind of think they found a good way to unload Al Horford. Did they have to send a first round draft pick or I a do second believe round? So. Yeah, I feel like they had to send that to OKC. But you kind of see Josh Richardson as well, Zaire Smith. That one's that I know that wasn't Daryl Morey, but that one kind of hurts for them because they I know they had Mikel Bridges and they're like, hey, let's just trade it for Zaire Smith. And then now looking back at it, you can kind of see Mikel Bridges to be like. I don't want to say the perfect piece on this team, but it will be such a complimenting piece with this team. Rotate Matisse Thibel and, and Mikel Bridges. I'm not saying that you'd necessarily draft Matisse Thibel then. You never know how things roll, but you could have had two killer defensive two guards. And imagine if you would have had that rotation and you had Ben Simmons, who's a pretty good on-ball defender. And at some point, since we know Mikel Bridges has some shooting, you could have probably put Mikel Bridges, Tybal, and Ben Simmons at some point together. But 
let's not talk. We can keep going on and on. You know how it is. The what if game is one of the best, best talking and longest winded conversations in the NBA. There's so many what ifs at every single year. But overall, I do think this is a team that's trending up. We've talked about teams like the Raptors, Celtics, and Pacers as teams you kind of feel like are stagnant or kind of are going down. But this is a team, when we get to this team, Ethan, I kind of feel like this is a team that definitely is on the up. And it's not just with players, but also coaching and management as well. I think I think Seth Curry checking some Shake Milton minutes is going to be incredible. I know Josh Richardson was a good defender, but he was asked to do too much with a team that did not have enough guard creators. I think Seth Curry's a pretty good guard creator too. I think he's just I think he's just been really underrated his whole career because he's not Steph, but he's really good as Seth. He really is. I think I think the addition of Terrence Ferguson gives you another you know you, you hope he can shoot better. He hasn't yet, but he's going to be a decent defender. I think Danny Green. Great guy for Terrence Ferguson to learn under, if, if there's possible. And Danny Green, while being aged out, maybe at the championship contending two guard, guy's good at basketball. The guy's good at basketball. He had a tough postseason. Yeah, and that happens, but we know his postseason record. Very one of those guys, I mean, lights out almost every postseason. And if you get to the postseason, you're a guy who you want on your roster. Yeah, you don't want him dribbling, but you want him there. And with, with their rookies, Tyrese Maxey, I really think a fun fit for this team. And he's going to get a chance to play a little bit here and there. Isaiah Joe hopefully turns into a Danny Green. That's what your his dream is. And then Paul Reed, I think, is a fun defender. I think um, if you have some some um, Joel Embiidless minutes and you wanted to get kind of creative, play play Simmons and Reed as your as your big your bigs. And I think you could have a lot of fun in a transition game. Uh, Paul Reed's a very very good athlete. Yeah, and I'm, with this team, I kind of got the feeling, I mean, you kind of had the year, I think it was 2017, 2018, when you kind of, people kind of said, oh, the the process has been fulfilled a little bit. Joel B came back from injury. Ben Simmons had missed pretty much his rookie season, and he came back and had another rookie season. And you're like, oh, there's excitement around this team. And I remember at the time they had Dario Saric and Mark Helfold, so there was excitement. And it kind of feel like then for the next two, three seasons, just optimism almost went out the window. I mean, you kind of saw with Mark Helfold, you kind of saw with Saric wasn't, wasn't developing. You saw the trades bringing in Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. And part of me, they may never publicly say it, but part of me still thinks that the Sixers may may feel like we should have just let Harris walk and just throw the bag at Butler because you kind of see what Butler brings. I mean, and I I don't know if Butler would have been like, oh, you're giving me this money. Yeah, I'm going to stay. What I had heard was because they had given so much money to Tobias Harris that the contract for Butler wouldn't be nearly enough of what he got with the Heat. It would have been like closer to Al Horford's number. That's what I had read. But kind of you seeing where there's direct now. I kind of feel like now where they're at, we have – more of a positive direction because I kind of felt like this team had almost, I felt like their, their ceiling was just every year they can make the playoffs, but they're going to, they're not going to get further than the second round. But who knows, Ethan, things could have changed if that Kawhi Leonard shot never went in, they go into overtime and the 76ers win. Who knows? Yeah. Cause then maybe everyone resigns for whatever it costs because they, they're champions. They might've advanced. They might've won the championship. You don't know how that plays out. Uh, most just most important aspect of this all is um, 
Ben Simmons and Joe Embiid, I can't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. They're, they're like plus minus net rating, blah, 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 was like somewhere around 14 in the year that uh, they it all came together. They made their first playoff berth and it got cut in half and they got cut in half again. And it's just been getting worse and worse because they haven't put the same type of space in the first year. They had Illy Silva, who I hate, but he can shoot. They had Bellinelli, who not my favorite, but can shoot. They had all these guys who could spread the floor for this team and enable those two incredible athletes to do their thing. And then didn't they also have J.J. Redick? J.J. Redick was still there, yes, of course. So like back at that point, they they had the formula. Not, not good enough to win a championship, probably, but they had the formula. And I think this year they're getting back to the formula. Those two guys should still be impressive. Hopefully Ben Simmons can recover from whatever his back injury was and that Joan B can stay healthy. But they're in the right. I think they took a step in the right direction once again. Yeah, and I'm definitely positive for this team. I mean, you kind of felt like with the Al Horford signing as well, you kind of felt like it was never the right fit because for me, Al Horford, he's he needs to be a five. Like as a four, I, he just doesn't thrive at that spot. But the problem is the reason you got him is who can play alongside Joel Embiid. I mean, and another reason was, oh, Joel Embiid might not be able to play as many games. But then you kind of saw it down the stretch like it just didn't matter. And Al Horford just isn't also just isn't the player that he was when he was on the Celtics and Hawks. Yeah, I think it, it just didn't mesh. And I, I know I thought they would be still really good defensively, even with the all big lineup with Tobias, Josh Richardson, Harris, and, and the two bigs Horford and Embiid. I thought they'd be really good defensively. And for the record, they were a very good home team. And who knows how that goes if the bubble doesn't occur, if they, they, they never lose at home in the playoffs. I know they didn't win on the road in the regular season either, but playoffs is, different, is a different game. I would, I would have liked to have seen all these things play out with the normal circumstances, but we didn't get that. We didn't get that. And so what I'll say is they needed to improve, and I think they took a step in the right direction. Mo- moving on to the Brooklyn Nets, we got ads of Steve Nash, the head coach. Kevin Durant is coming back, so I wanted to mention him because he didn't play for this bum team last year. Joe Harris gets re-signed with a lot of money. Bruce Brown from the Pistons, Landry Schmidt from the Clippers, Jeff Green, really important for agent signing in my opinion. And Tyra Johnson, I thought he played really well in the bubble. I think he's a perfect guy to play next to a bunch of guys who dribble a lot because he's he's best served as a catch and shoot and cutter. Um, he did that really well in Miami. That's what got him the big offer sheet. And um, then he got stuck dribbling the ball for Miami and that was the wrong decision. <laughs> so I think he's back in his right role. Um, losses, uh, Dazan and Musa, not good at all. Goes to the Pistons where he belongs. Um, Garrett, Garrett Temple, coach in the locker room, but um, lost him this year. Unfortunate for them, I guess, but they're getting a, a team. They got Kyrie Irving playing. They got Kevin Durant playing. Joe Harris is back shooting the threes. Karis LeVert and Dimwitty are still on board for now. Jared Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan. This team's definitely a playoff team. They were last year, and they got Kevin Durant back. Yeah, and you kind of – I'm hoping another team tied with rumors of trading for James Harden – I'm hoping that they don't do that trade because with Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant comes back healthy and you have Kyrie Irving healthy, I really like the complimenting pieces that they have. Like with a Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen. Like I love those complimentary, complimentary pieces. And of course, Joe Harris. And I'm like, man, this is just like, and if you can get those guys rolling, like you have a deep team and you have like, you have possibly already like seven or eight players that you know can be a solid rotation for the playoffs right there. I'm interested to see how Steve Nash coaches. I have, there's nothing on the books with him coaching. I know one Kyrie Irving was like, we don't need a head coach, but that's just Kyrie. Kyrie always talks like that. Sometimes, sometimes a worry that was going to take out Kyrie for the season is not going to be in physical injury, but a mental 
block somehow. He's going to psych himself out. That's always feel like with Kyrie, but definitely this team's going to be better. And I hope Kevin Durant comes back healthy because I hate it when players who are at the top of their game. And for me, Kevin Durant, before he was injured, was one of the top three players in the league. And it kind of sucks when you have that. And, and the Achilles, that's a killer injury. I, I don't think – I know you tore ACL. Achilles injury, did you ever have that? Nope, no Achilles. Thank, not but, yet. I will at some point, I'm knock sure. On, no, knock on wood, Ethan. We don't want that to happen. No, but from what, I, from what I've read, it is a lot harder to recover from an Achilles than it is from an ACL. That, that's what it's that's what I've read so far the whole the whole pushing off thing yeah that's that's always going to be a tough but fortunately for Durant he's had such a physical advantage on being a seven footer that can shoot off the top of his head and not ever get a shot block he, I feel like he's going to be able to score 30 points a game if he wants to um, even without much of a dribble game because if he just decides he wants to jog around and do the Duncan Robinson stuff he, no one can block a shot if you set an inch of a screen for him so like he'll always be able to do stuff like that I think he's still going to be creative off the dribble probably walk into his mid-ranger like he likes to do but like, he's always going to be good it's just a matter of, can he care, do that every game like you know that's i know kobe bryant was at an older stage of his career but all of a sudden he could not do it at all for the most part but definitely not every game once his achilles got him, like a cam durant's a little bit and younger that's than why him. you're hoping someone like Kyrie is there to kind of take those times and because Kyrie's another guy that you're like if he's there this team can be very scary Kyrie's gonna put up some numbers, uh, but back to the Kevin Durant thing is like, he's not Kobe Bryant. He's a he's a whole like I know can't talk bad about Kobe Bryant, but Kevin Durant is in a whole other sphere of score than Kobe Bryant was. Kevin Durant is to me and just scoring scoring only the only person maybe James Harden as well that rivals Michael Jordan as just a pure bucket. He my opinion. My opinion, Kevin Durant's the best scorer of all time. Like for me, for me, when I talk, when I think about pure score, like sometimes you would see a Kobe, like as talented as he was, sometimes he would have to struggle to get those shots off, to get those baskets. But for me, a pure score, I was thinking of like the ease, how easy they make it look. And for me, Kevin Durant is one of the players that, out of, and this is obviously, I was not alive to see some of the other scores. I did not see Michael Jordan live in his prime, and things like that. But, like, even watching clips, I mean, we have so much access to it. Just the easiness of having someone who's seven feet, not just three-point shots, but mid-ranges. And he still has a little back, a little post-game, I should say, back to the hoop, little fadeaway. And if he wants to cut in a little bit, he can because his arms are freakishly long and he can just get a shot over anybody. And like you said, he is one of the best pure scorers that we've ever seen. And I know people are like, oh, no, that's blasphemous to say one of the best, if not the best ever. But let me know when you find a guy who's seven feet and who's doing that. Like people talk about, well, how about Dirk? I'm like, yeah, Dirk can shoot, but Dirk could not handle the ball like a comparison. Anyway. Yeah. But you're right, though. Even even if he's not 100 percent, even if he's like 90 or 80 or it might take him some time to work back because, yeah, he had like a year to recover. But I know NBA speed, that conditioning, he has to get that. He's not going to get it until he starts playing games. Unfortunately, yeah. he's got some guards out there. Karis, Dimwitty, and Kyrie, all who can create if he wants, if he needs to just catch and shoot a little bit to start the year. But he's going to cook. Man's going to cook. Oh, yeah. He's probably who I would not be surprised if after the first week, first within the first three or four games, he's already dropping 30 pieces. I wouldn't be surprised. 
Especially, especially if some teams got some rookies out there playing who haven't got the traditional regular seat. Uh, no summer league, no preseason, oh, really. It, it, well, it they could be rough out there for for some young players. Yeah, some of the young players are going to be it's going to be hit them like a brick mm-hmm. wall. We got to pick up the pace, buddy. We we get we get on too many topics too easily. I think I think I think it's because the playoff teams. We took our time with the playoff teams. Yeah, but to be fair, the Pistons they did more moves than anyone in the world. Anyway, let's move on to the Orlando Magic. They they did nothing. Um. Let's let's hit them real quick. They added Dwayne Bacon from Charlotte, drafted Cole Anthony, also in the Charlotte area, playing for North Carolina. So that's a lot of nothing. I hate Cole Anthony. We know that. We know that to be true. So I don't need to bloviate on him. They lost Jonathan Isaac for the season. I'm guessing he's not going to be back from his Achilles injury. They also lost DJ Augustin to the Bucks. That's you know I think negligible. The fact that they are also going to have Cole Anthony in tow. Elkin, what do you think about all of that? I think really with the Magic right now, just looking at it, the Jonathan Isaac one, that one that one kills me a little bit because I loved how he was developing and you kind of saw how he was finally getting it together. I mean, I believe this was his third season and he was figuring things out and then this Achilles injury happened. And you kind of feel like the Magic, this, thank you. I don't know why I said Achilles. Probably because we were talking about Achilles' injury before Kevin Durant. And you kind of feel like with the Magic, I feel like they're still stuck in the same place. They got all these bigs where no place to put them. Not much rotation. Not much many minutes in the rotation. I mean, Cole Anthony, he'll definitely get some minutes. I mean, since DJ Augustine got a lot of their backcourt minutes, Cole Anthony's definitely going to get the minutes. But I'm not confident in this team. But this team has never been bad enough to get a very good first round or lottery pick, but not good enough to go past the eighth. And they're just kind of bouncing between the lottery and the eighth seed. Yeah. You look at some of the draft picks they've had and it's, they're getting Jonathan Isaac in the same draft class as Tatum. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning like primo wing type guys or like, you know, the pre cream of the crop. Cause they could have got bam and that probably would have been good. Huh? But they could have got uh, Donovan Mitchell probably would have been good, but no one, no one else other than the hero ball podcast and the Utah jazz thought Donovan Mitchell was going to be this good. Um, go back and read the reports. Um, they got Mo Bamba when they could have had Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, right? Like they, all those guys went ahead of them. Better picks, but on, like Bamba was not a bad pick there. Right after Trey Young, not a bad pick. I won't, I won't hate him for it. I didn't like Mo Bamba, but most people did. Um, let's see, look out. Um, who else did they draft late, lately? Aaron Gordon. I don't know who else was in his draft, but Aaron Gordon was a fun prospect out of uh, Arizona. Oh. And Chume Okiki, they got him last year. That's about it in terms of the, the draft picks. But what what I want to mention is that they do have Chume Okiki coming back in, so he can play a lot of the Jonathan Isaac minutes. So at least you got youth developing here. But this team needs to take a punt year. They need to get rid of all assets that aren't tied down. Let Chume Okiki, Markel Fultz, um, Cole Anthony, even though I don't like him, he's, he's a prospect now. He's the guy they got to develop. They gotta let all those guys just burn up the minutes and hopefully find out who's gonna play around Jonathan Isaac in the future. And maybe that's still Vucevic, maybe that's Bamba. And one of the trades I was trying to figure out where the the, the Hornets went at the wave and stretch Batum. I had Aaron Gordon going somewhere and Batum coming to the the, Horn, the Hornets and then Bamba going to OKC because th- that's just a good little, you know, center flyer for them. And the uh, Magic are able to eat up a pick from the Hornets and all these nice things. Then they waved and stretched them anyway because they couldn't figure something out. That's fine. Um, I think this year 
the Magic need to not worry about winning. They need to worry about development. And it needs to be Chumeo Kiki and spe specifically, and then Mo Bamba, and then their young point guard prospects. Aaron Gordon, they honestly should be looking to get something, probably 80% of what the, someone got for Robert Covington. That's what I would be doing right now. Hmm. I could see, you know, in a weird world, I could see the Pacers trying to figure out a way to get Aaron Gordon in like a Miles Turner Aaron Gordon trade. That would be great, Elkin, if they didn't have a million centers. Yep. And then Miles Turner would just be stuck behind all those centers. Oh, man. Or he would just be in the mix. You know what? Let's let's move on to the Wizards because just the magic is frustrating. Just for, uh, now, now, they kept – the Wizards kept Bertan. Smart. I mean, I like him as a shooter. I forgot how much he got. I know he got paid. I know he got paid. Five years, $82 million. If I'm wrong, sue me. And then they got one Robin Lopez – they got Ruel Neto. And then in the draft, they got Denny Avija. Avdia. Avdija. Avdia. Every time I get it wrong. Israel's finest. And then they got Cassius Winston, Michigan State's finest. Losses, Admiral Schofield didn't play that much for them. So this is a team where you really want to see what you – I think they really want to see what they got in their rookies. I mean, you're essentially building around Bradley Beal. John Wall, at one point, you were like, oh, it could be the future. But then now you're definitely – you don't know what you're getting, John Wall, coming back from injury. Not to mention that he low-key wants a trade, a trade now because you apparently shopped him, and that was too much for him. I mean, I, I don't know how that situation is going to play out. I don't think they trade him. I mean, obviously, I don't know how it's like where people like say, like, hey, we're going to move you somewhere else. I don't know if they tell – I imagine ownership or front offices rarely tell a player, like, hey, we're shopping you around. It's something they find out through agents or another front office who wants to make things worse for another team. But when I see this, like, I feel like they didn't, it's not bad what they do. I mean, they probably want, they probably want Rui Hachimaro to develop a little bit more. I think like with their draft picks, it weren't horrible. Like, I, I feel like, especially with Danny, I feel like, oh, they got a guy that could have some upside and we want to see what we got in him. But Cassius, you got like a backup point guard pretty much. I think Denny was the kind of guy that they didn't think would fall to him. They were hoping for Neko Kongwu, who would help their defensive woes a lot more. But Denny was best player available, I think, for both me and Richard's boards, other than Tyrese Halliburton, who, if you want to make the argument for not drafting him, it would be a team like um, the Wizards, who have a Bradley Beal and a John Wall already eating up so much of their cap, so much of their minutes. Maybe not the best place to develop specifically for him. Not to mention, if, if there's one thing about Tyrese Halliburton I said, is he's an instant impact guy, not necessarily the guy with all the superstar potential. Maybe Denny has more superstar potential if he's able to facilitate and shoot and play a little bit of defense from the four or the three. Probably the four. The biggest problem I see with this team is what do they have? They have depth at the, the four. They have Rui, Denny, and now Davis. All those guys play the four at their, in, in my opinion, their prime primo best position for them to play is that position how do you get them all on the floor that's the only thing i don't know they don't really have any good centers that at least robin lopez will help them be a little bit better defensively when he's out there um troy brown's really their only wing prospect unless we want to count Rui. i i don't um bradley beal what are you gonna do here bud i hope you get traded because i'd like or i hope john wall gets relocated for your sake even though i i still like john wall i think they should roll it out there again because every time John Wall and Bradley Beal have been healthy, they've been a playoff team, and they've been competitive in the playoffs. thing is, Bradley Beal and John Wall have never been healthy together at the right times. Yeah, and 
Bradley Beal's another, and Bradley Beal's another guy where I'm just like, you deserve more. I'm still kind, I'm still bitter. He got left off of the All NBA team as well. But I try to think who would we, who would we take out? Mullen. I'd had to pull it up, and I, if Russell Westbrook made it, get him out. I don't know if he did or not. I think he might have. But Bradley Beal's another guy who I'm just like, some. I look at the situation because he's not explicitly asking for a trade. But he's one of those guys where you're like, man, I wish he maybe have gotten a trade or. Man scored 30 points per game in the league last year. His shooting efficient, his uh, shooting efficiency, like from the field, he shot the same percentage from the field, shot lower percentage from three, got more free throws and shot better percentage from free throw. The guy's an incredible basketball player. He really is. I don't, I don't want to shake it at all. Just for the record though, guys, he's not as good as James Harden. He might be more more fungible and easier to insert than James Harden for some teams because of, because of his style of play. But I just want to keep people in mind. He's not as good as James Harden. He is really good though. And I hope he gets, I hope he gets to a good team where he, his, uh, his talent is uh, appreciated and aligned. The stars aligned for him. Cause again, when John Wall and him were healthy, the one season they took the Hawks to, to a, a really tough series. And then they took the, the Celtics to a really tough series. I know these are just, Second round series. It happened, though. Yeah, and by the way, uh, it was Russell Westbrook who got the last guard spot. All right. Well, again, Russell Westbrook had a really good two months. Bradley Beal played for a loser. I, I don't care. I, I actually don't care. All right. So then on that note, let's move on to the Hornets, who added Payday Hayward, as I call him now. Gordon Hayward doing what he do. Biz McBeambo, was this a – I thought he was on the Hornets. I don't remember if he was on the Hornets at the end of the season or if he re-signed. Like, but he's been on the Hornets before. I, I just saw his name, and I was like, I don't remember if he just got there yeah. again or not. And then, of course, they drafted one LaMelo Ball, uh, Veron Carey. Veron Carey? I always say his name wrong. Vernon, Vernon Carey. He stinks. Vernon, stinks out loud. Nick Richards, Grant Riller, and they lost when Nicholas Batum. Well, not lost. I believe they stretched and waved. Waved and stretched. And Dwayne Bacon. So with this team, you're kind of hoping, A, you have, you draft one, LaMelo Ball, and hoping that he has superstar potential for your team. And you add Gordon Hayward, a little pricey, but, I mean, there's probably, I don't think there's any way you're really bringing someone like that unless you pay for it, pay for them, or like overpay, I should say, with that contract. Four years, 120 mil, but... This is a team that I see probably going to be around the same place, maybe be in the play-in tournament for one of the final playoff spots, perhaps. But I don't really see much happening with the team. Everyone in the East should be happy the Magic didn't get any better because everyone above them that was is either kind of locked into a playoff spot and the Nets got a lot better. So really, it's the Magic, Wizards, Hornets, and I believe the Hawks are the last team that I would – I would put in there as these guys are the guys vying for the eighth. And I'll even put the Bulls in there because I thought the Bulls would be a playoff team last year, but they had Jim Boylan. I blame it all on him. <laughs> so I think I think this team made – the thing about Hayward is he's a good player. I think he's honestly probably a, th- a third or fourth best player on a championship team. Um, the thing is he's got a lot of skills that don't get in other people's way. And that's what you need around rookies. And round a Terry Rozier or Devontae Graham, depending on which one they want to stick with, I feel like they probably won't want to stick with both of them 
assuming LaMelo Ball is going to roll into a starting spot pretty soon, if not immediately. So I'm looking at Ball, one of the, the small guards, Hayward, P.J. Washington, Bridges, and then they still need center help. Bayambo will help a little bit defensively. Uh, Tyler Zeller is still good at setting – or not Tyler Zeller. Cody Zeller is still good at setting screens and being a competent offensive player um, in the system. I think this team could be passable. I don't think they'll be good. I think they did a decent job in the offseason. I really just think well, – is Gordon Hayward worth $40 million a year? I know he's only getting paid 30 But you stretched Batum for basically $10 million a year for three years. So for three years of this deal, Gordon Hayward is worth $40 million is what you were paying for him to be on this team. That's the weird thing to think about. I'm not, it's not a novel thought. This is what a lot of people have said. I just want, you know, my audience, if I have one. You know what, though? By the way, you had me curious as I was looking up the roster um, for the Hornets. They don't really have your right. Like their front line help. It's pretty much Cody Zeller is like your only center. Zeller and Biombo are your only like natural, always been a center kind of guys. And then you have um, PJ Washington, who I think can guard up a little bit here and there. Um, probably best suited playing stretch four though, and being a really good defender there versus an average defender at the center position. But they can have a really fun small ball lineup if we talk about Washington, Bridges, Hayward, Ball, and then throw in one of your guards. I think that could be kind of fun. I, I don't hate this team. I think this team became watchable partly because of Gordon Hayward, but mainly because of LaMelo Ball. One thing that does make me sad about the team, one player that I really, I was really rooting for when they got into the league, Malik Monk. Uh, so it's still a sad, still a sad affair. That's a sad affair, man. Like when he came out of Kentucky, I was like, like I kind of put him up there with De'Aaron Fox and Bam. I was like, Malik Monk, super athletic and shoot the three. And then it's just kind of been nosedive like a slow nosedive after every season passes and i believe he got a lengthy suspension most recently as well but all right just one of those things three-point shot didn't work in in the nba for whatever reason i don't understand why but it never came around and it, it's kind of what he needed the man shot 40 percent from three in college off very difficult attempts i watched him that was yeah, one of my favorite I saw teams those to games. ever watch in college because Bam dunked on everything. De'Aaron Fox is so fast. And Malik Monk scored 40 points like his second or f- first or second game. Fun stuff. Didn't work out in the NBA just yet. But maybe he's a culture candidate. Oh, a sneaky culture. Let's let's put that away. Let's seal that one away. Now let's go on to the Bulls. They added Coach Billy Dov- Donovan, which is an addition compared to Boylan. As we both know how players felt about him. They got Garrett Temple, Noah Vonley, Zach Norwell. Well, they kept. I should say no. No, that all those guys are new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I think, what I think, Zach Norwood on the team, and they drafted Patrick Williams, which I did not think they were going to draft Patrick Williams at that pick, and they got Devin Dotson as well. They lost Chris Dunn and Shaq Harrison. And for a shout, for a shout out to Mike Mark Titus, they have the draft rights to John Diebler. Oh. I forgot about one John Diebler. It just wow. popped up on Basketball Reference when I pulled it up, and I was like, okay, that doesn't matter. <laughs> but it's funny yeah. that it's there. Uh, this is a team where I kind of feel like they're kind of be better off just still developing players. Like Wendell Carter Jr., I felt bad for him. Like I, I, I like what I saw out of him his rookie year, but last year I felt bad for him. And I, and I heard a lot of it had to do with coaching. That's the truth with Laurie Markkinen. And Wendell Carter Jr., like I heard that they just were not big fans of coach of the coaching that they had. And it makes sense 
based on what the reports that we've read about how players felt about him. So I hope with Billy Donovan, you see more player development there because you have some talent there. And I would hate for that talent to be wasted. And Zach Levine is going to be what Zach Levine is. At this point, we know he's just pretty much a pure scoring guard. That is that is Zach Levine right there. And they, they of course, have solid veterans. I, I like a Thaddeus Young still on that team. He's a guy where I'm like, all right. And I think they still have Otto Porter Jr., right? Correct. So they One got more year. They got some decent pieces where I'm like, let's see what we got. But development should be the one thing that just hit hard. Yeah, no, here's the breakdown for me. I like Kobe White. I like Zach Levine. I like Tam- Thomas Sadoransky. I like Thaddeus Young. I like Otto Porter. I like Patrick Williams. I like Wendell Carter Jr. I like Laurie Marketing. And right there, that, that sounds like eight. I don't know how many I counted, but that sounds like seven rotation players. And I also like Daniel Gafford as a backup center. So, like, let's not forget him. And then, like, at the end of the day, this team has guys who are going to be in the league for a while. It's just a matter of can they get them all to play to a cohesive unit. Because none of these guys are the superstars. I don't even think any of them can classify that. Zach Levine's a bucket, though. And if, like, for what it's worth, I've been wanting Zach Levine on Miami for a long time because I think they had the culture around him to protect him defensively. And if if Wendell Carter Jr. can get back to what everyone thought he was going to be, which was Al Horford-ish, that helps. If Otto Porter Jr. is healthy, he's a good defender. If Larry Markkinen is healthy, he's not a good defender, but hopefully his shot can finally become yeah, elite. Yeah, there we go. And the thing is with that team, like, the team is watchable. Like, oh, the team yeah, is definitely fun. watchable. To me, they have... One of the most exciting league pass games against the Hornets when Zach Levine went off that I have seen. Like that's one of the best games I had seen. Just like ra- one of those random games where you're just like looking through league pass, like what am I gonna watch? And you're like, oh, Zach Levine's heating up. Let's stay tuned. And you're like, oh wow, this was one of the better games that I that I watched. But I'm optimistic bringing in a new coach as well, and I'm really wanna excited to see how they can develop. And that's what I hope happens, Ethan. Obviously, as a Pacers fan, I hope them develop too quick. Need them to keep developing longer so we can get more wins against them. But I think on that note, though, we should go on to the New York Knickerbockers. I, w- I would like to drop one more thing about Patrick Williams because I think the confusing thing about him is w- what is he, a three or a four? And I, I, I project him as a four. because I can I, see that. I'm not ready to think that he has the ball skills that he flashes that are like good enough to be a true three. Um, I, I kind of think his best outcome is Otto Porter Jr. Um, I, I, I did the tease of saying he's Kawhi Leonard or he's, you know, whatever else. But I, I truly think his best outcome is Otto Porter Jr. Who's a guy who can walk into his own bucket. He can attack a closeout. Got a max deal because he had good shooting percentages. I don't think that's a bad pick at four if you get Otto Porter Jr., even though you always fantasize about getting, you know, the Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Kawhi Leonard uh, results. But if you get a guy who was ever worthy of a max contract or worthy of a, just a big extension, like Otto Porter Jr. probably would have got if it wasn't 2016 when he hit free agency, you still like he still was a really good player for for the for the um, Washington Wizards. And I, I think if you can get some similar th- uh, career from Patrick Williams or at least the player that Otto Porter became when he got that offer, I think we're looking at something pretty healthy. We have the New York Knicks. Getting one, Tom Thibodeau. Wow. Getting Alec Burks, Nerlens Noel, re-signing Alfred Payton. Getting Austin Rivers, Jacobs Evan, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Drafting Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. And losing Bobby Portis, Wayne Ellington, and Dotson. 
I, I think we both kind of feel with the Knicks, there's nothing really from their signings or draft picks that were like much excited. I mean, Obi Toppin might have some highlights here and there, but I feel like with this team, RJ Barrett, man, I hope things get better for you because you have talent, but then seeing what they're adding around you, they're kind of just adding guys to fill in the roster. Yeah, I'm not optimistic about this team's success. I obviously like New Orleans Noel. I think if you can have 48 minutes of New Orleans and uh, Mitchell Robinson, your defense should be pretty good at that position at least. And you need that because Obi Toppin is not going to be a good defender. But for what's worth, Elkin, and this is not going to be a good team by any stretch of the right imagination. But if you're telling me you got those two centers, that's competent center play. You're telling me you got Randall and Obi Toppin. That's offensive competency at the power forward position. The three, scratch your head, that's a mystery. Because is R.J. Barrett going to play big? Is Kevin Knox going to finally develop? Uh, none of the things I am counting on. Is Alec Burks going to play big and play the three and be effective? Not counting on that either. So, no, I will not say that's a good position. Um, let's look at the two. Um, also, nothing. Emmanuel quickly... Um, I think makes for a good one if you don't have to have him dribble because he's a really good shooter, really good defender, kind of in the Avery Bradley mold, but I think will be a better shooter for his career. Probably not ever have the same reputation as Avery Bradley, but Avery Bradley also had a very overrated reputation. You know, good, but not what people thought he was. So, again, I, li I like the draft picks for what's worth. Obi Toppin, I mean, I, I would always go bigger upside versus the guy who's probably going to come in and be a dunking machine. But, no. Front court, they might be okay until you get to the three. Let us move on to the team with acquisition. I'm, I'm going to let you take over this one, Ethan. Go ahead with the Pistons. All right. So Richard, for the record, helped me fill out this form. I was at his, uh, I was in his house making this doc. Richard, you can feel free to come on here and talk about this team because we're going to blow through these and mention them, talk about it a little bit. We're, we're going to be on our way. Pistons add. Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumlee, Delon Wright, Jaleel Okafor, Josh Jackson, Wayne Ellington, Rodney Magruder, Jay Winhans, Dazan and Musa, Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, Saban Lee in the draft, stretched and acquired <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Dedman and Zaire Smith. They lose Luke Kadard, Bruce Brown, Christian Wood, Langston Galloway, John Henson, Tony Snell, Thon Maker, Brandon Knight, Justin Patton, and Kyrie Thomas. They literally just got rid of their entire team last year, except for, <laughs> except for Blake Griffin. It is, it is 100% the truth. You are no lies detected. But this is the thing I like, though. Jeremy Grant, I think, is a good player to, pl to pair with young players to help develop. Because he's going to give you what he does. He's a he's a rangy 3-4 that has a little bit of shooting ability, a little bit of create off the dribble ability. And he wants a bigger role, and he's going to get his opportunity because this is a developing team. Anytime that Killian Hayes is on the floor, let Jeremy Grant cook. Let him go. See what he can do. And guess what? If he turns into a like a better wing player than everyone else in the world has ever thought he is guess what you can do flip him and then you made a good investment otherwise he's just there eating up your cap space but probably no no one that anyone was upset about the whole time i didn't even realize they also got josh jackson until you mentioned it josh jackson another good gamble that's just like they're they are just just taking who they can now now with their draft though i remember actually i was on the me and Rachel were on a Zoom call together. Killian Hayes, it's not a bad pick. Sadiq Bay, not a bad pick. Now there's the Isaiah, the Isaiah Stewart pick though. I don't I heard get some, it. That, that that's what I've been hearing. 
Is it because he's just bad fit for the team? Well, it's just like I don't think he was ever going to be valued that high. I feel like you could have yeah. traded like obviously you could get Sadiq Bay at 19, but I would have just drafted him at 16. I, I, I guess mm-hmm. Correa, you got him at 19 instead. But like I just would have pulled the trigger on him then if you liked him. And I would have got Isaiah Stewart way back in the end of the first round. Like, okay, so Zyra Smith comes – not Zyra Smith. Um, Zeke Naji. I don't know why I got those two mixed up. Uh, Zeke mm-hmm. Naji comes off the board at 22. That might have been the earliest I think Isaiah Stewart pops off. You, you got back into 19. I guess you could have took him there. Like Isaiah Stewart, like all class hustle and heart and all those kinds of things. The man is not as tall. Got plus wingspan, though, so he's got a de- decent standing reach. Man can't jump, though. Unless that changes, I don't see how he is anything more than a hopeful stretch big prospect. Because his shot doesn't look bad. It's just not good. I don't know. Richard can talk more about this, Elkin. I don't have anything for him. I do like Saban Lee. I like Sadiq Bey. And I like Killian Hayes. So I like all that. I just don't get Isaiah Stewart. And that, that's the one that me and Richard discussed at length, like why. And as soon as that pick happened, I, I know Richard was just. He was he didn't know what to think. Yeah, he was just like, why? Why did this happen to us? What are we doing? Um, I will say Richard wants the, everyone to know Mason Plumlee is good for developing point guards. I mean, I, I guess you can say that. He played with Damian Lillard. That's worked out well. He played with Jamal Murray. That worked out well. So, hey, you know, he's so got Killing a track Hayes. record. Here you, you go, Killian. Get you your need chance. To explain away your your sadness. That's how you can do it. <laughs> all right. So as you said, we're gonna move on. Yeah. All right. This team's interesting. The Atlanta Hawks. They get Daniil Gallinari, Bogdan Bogdanovich. I put Clint, Clint Capella on the list because he didn't play for them last year, even though they got him. Rajon Rondo, Chris Dunn, Solomon Hill, Tony Snell, Aneka Kongwu, and Skylar Mays in the draft. They lose DeAndre Bimry. They lose Scalabissier, Damian Jones, Travion Graham, Jeff Teague, and the legend Vince Carter retired on a make on a make. It's a good thing too. They put him in because no one knew that game was going to be the last game for the Hawks. I'm kind of happy they let that happen too. Yeah, no, now with this team worked out, this, this team is going to be a feisty team. Ethan, like looking at the pieces you got, like they filled out the roster to complement young players. Like they brought in like some solid veterans. I'm just like this team. I think you brought it up too. this team could have a chance to sneak into the playoffs. Oh, I am I'm 100% on board with that concept. I'm looking at them last year, and the problem is everyone would think this team was a really good offensive team. Not the case, because Trey Young still didn't play all the minutes. Trey Young's a good offensive player. The team was still not good because of the back, back of point guard situation. Defensively, they were terrible. They were 26th offensive rating, 27th defensive rating. I don't think that can be duplicated, because they got better. Quinn Capello is going to help with the defense. Danilo and Bogdan are going to help with the offense. Bogdan's also going to help with the defense, in my opinion. The thing is, all these guys who are playing starter minutes from now, like unless you're just going to in development mode, those guys are going to be on the bench now, coming off the bench. Herder going to be a bench player. I like that a lot as a bench player. Maybe not for the Hawks because he was start used to starting, so it might hurt his feelings. Um, you got guys like, um, my goodness. DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, who were starting level players last year, that are going to be coming off the bench, or if they're shoved in the starting lineup, you got Danilo coming off the bench. Like my point is, so much more depth all of a sudden, and John Collins is probably going to keep developing his offensive game. Might hurt you because you might have to pay him, but he's probably going to be all right next year. I think this team just got so much of a talent upgrade that they can't be as bad. They can't be as bad. 
Rajon Rondo is going to be a good backup point guard. I mean, even if he's not good, he's a good backup point guard. For especially a middling playoff team. He was great in the finals last year. I don't know how duplicable that is. Why do I keep saying duplicable? I don't know. I don't know. It's probably not a word. I don't know how likely it is that he does that and duplicates it. But anyway. By the way, I was trying to figure out what's the um what's the what's the line for the Hawks making the playoffs, the betting line. Um, I don't know if the old Oregon scoreboard has it up yet. Speaking of which, I am very bad at football gambling. That's why you stick to basketball. I bas I I've made so much money in basketball and then I lose it all, lose it all on football. Which your Eagles playing tonight. But last team in the Eastern Conference, the Cavaliers. They drafted Isaac Okoro. They brought in JaVale McGee, Dotson, Don McCurr. Rajon Tucker. Are you scared of Damian Dotson? You said you've skipped his first name twice. Because I am because I was unsure. I was like, oh, like if it's not Damian, I'm going to look like a fool. Okay. Well, it's Damian Dotson. Don McCurr and Rajon Tucker from the Jazz. They lost Tristan Thompson, Jordan Bell, and Alfonso McKinney. All right. This team sucks. Isaac Coro, <laughs> good luck. Oh, man. Wasn't a bad pick with Isaac Coro. No, good pick. They, they're filling the, the spots they need. They need wing help. I don't know if it'll matter. Kevin Porter Jr., good luck with your situation. Oh, man. Jamel McGee still getting paid. So that's probably the only reason. And that is Eastern Conference offseason update for our listeners. Ethan, is there anything you want to add before we sign off? I'm trying to look at this roster to see if there is anything interesting to talk about. I mean, like, at the end of the day, I do like their collection of guards at this point. There's just a lot like guys I like. Like Garland, Exum, Dotson, and Sexton. That sounds fun, for what it's worth. Kevin Porter, I don't know the details of his situation other than that he had a had a gun that wasn't registered or something like that. So hopefully he didn't point it at anyone like Malik Beasley. Um, Dylan Windler, hopefully he's healthy this year. I'd love to see him play. Isaac Okoro, obviously. Dylan Windler playing and being a good shooter, that that could be a game changer just because of the spacing. Obviously, defensively, he's probably going to struggle. But having a guy out there to space the floor, this team had none of that last year. I'm going to see if their stats are available. I bet they were one of the worst shooting teams in the league last year. I'm probably going to be wrong. Wouldn't that be funny? Let's see. Team rank, three-point percentage, 20th. Not even close to the bottom. But, you know, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> At the end of the day, I think... um. Drummond eats up a lot of minutes for this team. Expiring contract. Kevin Love, probably going to play a lot. He's not any good anymore. I don't know who would want that contract for the production he provides. Lane S. Jr., he might be the best asset on the team, other than the young players. Cleveland, I'm sorry. I don't anticipate this year being very fun for you. And there you, that's the final analysis from Ethan on that one. Yep, I'm done. All right. Well, it has been a pleasure then potting with you this evening. Yep. Technical difficulties and all. We got it. Yeah, we finally got through it. I'll have fun editing this. That's sarcasm. I will not have fun editing this. I'm so sorry. That's not your fault. The world hates the Eastern Conference. Everyone's known it for a long time.